People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. Fine Music Radio, and this is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note. It's a great pleasure to introduce you to Dizu Plykis, who is my guest this week. And Dizu, who you may or may not know, was the son of a Kosa traditional healer. And in fact, he grew up in the Cape Town township of Langer. And as we've also discovered, behind his warm smile is a serious and even a spiritual person. He's the founder and former leader of South Africa's internationally celebrated marimba group, Amampondo. And then since going solo, he's done several international tours, including being chosen to showcase his own group at the Womex in Seville and chosen Canada, France, Germany, Algeria, Morocco, Oman, as well as a three-week tour in Holland. Also WOMAD in the UK and in Zanzibar, and then a prestigious concert of his own, mind you, in New York's famous Carnegie Hall. So you've certainly been around, and Deezer, welcome, a warm welcome to Fine Music Radio. Thank you very much. You're one of those guests that I say it's long overdue. <laughs> you should have <laughs> been you. here before. But you've been quite busy by the sounds of things, and one of the reasons um, I thought of bringing you in now is because your new album has just been released, and it's been nominated for a Sama Award. How do you feel about that? I know, I feel, you know, because really it's good when you are nominated, especially in South Africa, because the problem most of the time, I don't go and perform outside Cape Town mostly. It's either abroad all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that also the listeners and the friends and fans, you know, would now see me, you know, and then they could listen to my music. Do you say you perform mostly outside of South Africa rather than inside? I perform mostly abroad mm-hmm. because what happened, especially in France, in France uh, we started kind of educational program in underprivileged school, but the French government, they put quite a lot of money to those underprivileged schools. So we go and teach the children how to sing Kosa, how to sing all the different different languages from South Africa. And then we teach them songs and we play and we record with those children. And then July, we go into make festivals. Oh, okay. Yes. So here comes a stupid question, Dizu. Yes. <laughs> Why would a f- person in France, a young child in France, want to learn so one of our traditional languages. I'm sure it's because of Kosa is a very fascinating language and a beautiful romantic with all the clicks and so on. And uh, when they first had me on my very first album, you know, where I'm doing the clicks mixed with the sand, you know, they got mesmerized and every one of the children there, you know, they wanted, you know, to play with me. And they don't even <laughs> call me Dizu in France, all the children. They call me Zizu. Zizu. Yes. Okay, and you don't mind that. (laughs) (laughs) But now, just let's get this straight at the beginning. You are a Corsa person. Yes. Now, how did you learn about the sand sounds? Can you speak that language? What happened is that the sand people, our tribe, were the closest tribe to the sand people. That is why you find that the the master bow players you get amongst the Pondomises and the Pondo people is because of even if today you go to parts of Tzolo, you'll still see all the caves of the Sand people and so on and so on. So my grand-grandmothers and so on, they started learning most of the musical bow from the Sand people. Okay, and so that's why you picked up some nuances of the language. Exactly. But your name, Dizu, is interesting. Plykis, I mean, the most possibly the most famous Plykis is Soul Plykis. Yes. And I, it's, I, I wouldn't have thought it was a Kosa name. Yes. But you told me a fascinating story of how Plykis came to be your surname. Yes. Plykis' surname, it came around 1700. There was, a, as you know, wars that were um, in the Eastern Cape. But now there was this Dutch lawyer, you know, who really loved the Kosa-speaking people. And he decided so that, no, I'm going to defend these people because I cannot just let everything go. Because I came in this country as a foreigner and so on. And now if all of their things are going to be taken, where's the mercy? So one of my great-great ancestors adopted that name, Plykis, because of that Dutch guy. He stood for the Kosa-speaking people and the Pondo and the Pondomise people. So 
That's how I ended up Plakis. So his name, this Dutch man's name, was Plakis. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, okay. And then we adopted his name so that once you do a good thing, that is why all our names, you you wouldn't just name a child because of somebody's Gerald unless it does a good thing. And if you want your child to do also or to follow somebody's footstep. So that's why this name was picked up because of the beauty of a, of a, of, of a person who allows himself because it could be a problem to him after that when he defended the people. But he didn't mind because he had that mercy of the people. That's how the surname um, um, Plykis today. And uh, all the Plykis, it's obviously spread hugely now, the name Plykis. I mean, for example, are you related in any distant way to Saul Plykis? In some ways that I would say I am. Because really? my, the firstborn of my grandfather was born in 1897. And then he went to live in Johannesburg, you can imagine. So we've got lots of relatives in Johannesburg and some part of South Africa. So, you know. Yes. That's how, okay. So yes. it's widespread now. It's gosh. widespread And now. we're talking back to the 1700s, so you've got <laughs> quite an ancestry. <laughs> Dizu, we were talking about the fact that your latest album has just been nominated for a Sama Award. So I think our first piece of music you said and you agreed, let's play a track from this album. Yes. And then afterwards you can exp- we'll talk about the album. But what are we going to hear and maybe what should we listen out for while we're listening to this track? I would love us to play Inkomo and why I chose Inkomo there are so many beautiful tracks it's only that I want people to hear how I really changed and fused my music from the marimbas and so on and fused with other instruments because there are so many groups that are playing marimba I wouldn't like to do the very same thing that I started you know 35 years ago so I want people to see and to hear the difference of what I did now and compared to the music that I did before. Okay, so here it is, fresh, hot off the press, the new album of Dizu Plaikis. Yeah. 
Well, that's music of a brand new album from my guest Dizu Plaiki is on People of Note this week here on Fine Music Radio. The CD is called Ubuntu, The Common String, and we've just heard Nkomo. And one of the things, Dizu, that I think is important about this album is, as you said before, you like mixing influences. You just didn't want to be the marimba man. Yes. So from what we've heard now, what sort, of, what sort of instruments do you mix? Give us an idea of what you used on this track. On this track, I've used the very first harp that you hear is a harp that was played by a very famous musician from Uganda. And this man, he was one of the person who managed to escape when Oboto sent the military to demolish all the palace yes. where they kept all them their music. So Oboto wiped out all those musicians in Uganda. So this man, he managed to escape and he met Dr. Jihad Kubik. That's how I ended up loving, you know, this harp because it was his favorite instrument. And uh, when we were in Algeria, some other guys in Uganda, they had the same harp. We bought the harp there in 2009. Okay. Yes. 
But am I right in saying, because I remember seeing you some years ago at the Baxter. Yes. I think it was a staff concert because you teach at yes. UCT, don't yes. you? Yeah, I do. Um, but we're going to come to that later. Okay. And you came on stage with a variety of instruments. I remember the rain stick and all that. Yes. Do you have a vast personal collection of both traditional African and Western instruments, your own? Yes. In so much that now I make quite a lot of different instruments. Most of the instruments that you see me playing, I make them. I've got a small company in Langa where I make this instrument and then I go and educate some other schools and so on just to be, you know, to know exactly what we are using, what instrument they could use, what they could play, small instrument that one could play as a solo instrument. But when you say you make these instruments, do you make them based on an original model or are they things you've designed yourself? Or a bit of both? bit of both. Okay. Because some other things I cannot get, it, you know. And as you know that in some parts of Africa, people, they've got more time of making things. So I use what I can use, but also not for the look, but it must be strong and last exactly like the one that I got from all these other different countries. As a result... Tomorrow I'm, I'm having a huge workshop that is starting in Langa showing all my different instruments and my experiences, you know, that I've, you know, I've done for the past 37 years in music. Goodness me. Is it open to the public? Yes, yes, and it's free. <laughs> oh, right. yes. but I'm interested to hear you saying Langa because I said right at the beginning that you were born in Langa. Yes. Are you still in Langa? I'm still in Langa. This is where your little company exactly. and your home is. Exactly. But the other thing, Deezer, you told me when we were coming into the studio, I was asking you about how many children you had, and I mm -hmm. think you said you had six. Yes. yes. And one of them you said makes instruments. Is yes. this what he does? Does he work with you making these traditional instruments? Yes. In some of that, even sent him to one of the best uh, marimba maker by the name of Philip Nengel. And uh, he's also learned quite a lot from Philip Nengel. So this is what I do. If I see somebody is interested in any of the things that I do, I don't hold him back. I say that I've got a friend who can also help you go and lend and stay with that person. Then I just pay that person. And these instruments that you make, are they? do they range from something you might blow to something you might bang, like a percussion, to strings, to a bow, all sorts of things? Exactly. The way we are explaining this is exactly what I'm doing. Exactly what I'm doing from mouth bows, the bows, the harps, even the choras, even the balaphone, the marimbas, the kayombas, the flute, the kudu horns, <laughs> the nyunga nyunga from Mozambique, quite a lot of range. I'll tell you what you must do. Now, you must remember this. Yes. You must take a picture of your room where all these instruments are okay. and send it to us so we can put it on our website. Beautiful. And then people who listen to the interview will be able to go to our website and look at your instruments. Oh, I love that. Would you do that for I'll us? I will love send that. One in. I will love And that. do you play all these instruments, you personally? I play all those instruments because what makes me also to play this instrument, I used to attend a lot of symposiums that were held around Africa. And I will never miss anything because my mentor and the person who really uh, taught me a lot of these different instruments, it was Andrew Tracy. Really? Gosh, yes. That's a huge compliment to Andrew yes, because he's it, so famous, isn't exactly. he? Exactly. It was Andrew Tracy and uh, Father David Daki from Germany, you know, and Brother Kurt Hawila. And some people, they will say, this, why are you always mentioning the white people? I said, you know what? Let me tell you one thing. I, for one, I was born on under the zodiac sign of Aquarius. So I'm free to talk to anyone. I'm free to learn to anyone. And I, I saw myself that because these people they were offering me so many things. This you've got to do this. This you've got to change this. And yeah. I did that, you know. Yes. Absolutely. So in the process of talking to everybody and using white influence like that, you've actually broken down a whole lot of barriers. And look what Andrew Tracy has done to establish and to really make sure that some of these obscure African instruments remain very much part of today's world, exactly. not just museum pieces exactly. that they are used. In some of that, if, if it was not for his father, Hugh Tracy, a lot of different instruments here wouldn't even have it. Uh -huh. Even this instrument that now, uh, the first instrument that you hear from that app, his father, he did a lot of collection. He recorded all the music from Uganda, East Africa, and so on and so on and so on. And all those recordings, they've got it at the ILAM, International Library of African Music. Mm -hmm. 
is Andrew Tracy still? He was in Grahamstown. Wasn't yes, he? he's still, he still in Grahamstown. Gosh, my still goodness. in Grahamstown. We're going to take another piece of music now, and um, I asked you to choose some music that influenced you or had some effect on you. Yes. So, what have you chosen? What is your first piece? Uh, Fela. Tell me a little bit more. Fela Kuti is one of the greatest musicians in Africa who fought the government of Nigeria from the 60s up until he passed away. And he influenced us in a way of his music. You know, I could not listen at first, but the more I listen to him and I hear, you know, the message and so on and all these different instruments that he's using, I said, you know, I'm in love with this guy's music. <laughs> you know, what really fascinated me also, Felakuti, I first heard, there were some guys who first recorded the very first Amampondo cassette. These guys were learning at UCT. They were not engineers, but because of they were in love with music. Those were the guys who introduced me to Felakuti. <laughs> Dance, she go dance, lady dance. Call for dance, she 
go dance, lady dance. African woman go dance. She go dance the fire dance. African woman go dance. She go dance the fire dance. She know him man a master. She go cook for him. She go do anything he say. But lady no be so. 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 That was an artist called Fela Guti, and I wonder if he's ever been played on fine music radio before. But anyway, it's the choice of my guest, Dizu Plykes, who's in the People of Note studio here on Fine Music Radio this week. And it's a joy to speak to you, Dizu, about these amazing influences that you had from so many places. And, you know, right at the beginning, I was talking about how you went all over the world and all these international countries. But you obviously have done a huge amount of traveling in Africa as well. Is that true? Yes, yes, yes. Did it... Uh, did that also inspire you to really get your African roots up and running before you started experimenting with Western stuff? Exactly, because the very first country that I went to, you know, in the early 80s, it was Botswana, then Zimbabwe, then Swaziland. Those countries, I was going backwards and forth, you know, especially Zimbabwe, because now there's a place there called Kazungula, and Zungula, it was our original surname before we changed it to Plakis. Oh, isn't that Yes. And then now Zungula is, is my first name. Dizu come from Zungula. So when I look at this place, Kazungula, I even went there. And when I see the people, yes, these people, they speak half Zulu, half Kosa, and mix of Shona. I was totally confused. <laughs> <laughs> totally confused because really maybe I said that maybe when we were coming down some of our people left there and then we go on come to South Africa did you find it difficult under the apartheid thing to travel or were you not interfered with too much hey to be honest and fair let me tell you it's a quite an interesting question during the apartheid times we never stayed in South Africa we oh, were traveling you. you know in so much that I've been when I counted the countries that I've been it's almost about 84 different countries, <laughs> you know. And during the apartheid times, you know, there were times whereby I have to tell you this story. There was a very big roadblock. And then I said that in this roadblock, we are not going to survive here. Because at the back, the guys, you know, you know, musician, you know, yeah, with yeah. Uh, uh, marijuana and this <laughs> and that. You know, then we were stopped. And then when we were stopped, there was big African guy, you know, but the car was written Amampondo. And then he said, he said, this black is so. I said that Eggman here. So that day, I like your music, what you're doing. <laughs> just like that. And we just passed because <laughs> I did an educational program in Pretoria in a deaf school whereby the principal could not handle these kids. When I walk in there, I'm telling you, even the kids, they were just... You know, they were listening and do exactly, and you can imagine they were deaf. And I've never been to a deaf school. So one of his, um, I'm sure maybe his niece was on that school. So he had the message. You see? First hand. Yeah, exactly. And you got through. <laughs> we got through. No problem. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. Um, I gather a bit of a theme in your life, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, yeah. is youth. You want to help people. You work a lot with young people, don't you? Yes. And you want to help them if they show some sort of talent. You are there to help them. In so much that when I finish teaching at the university, I go back to my community. That is why I don't want to live longer. I want to be an example. I want to motivate these young children so that they mustn't always look at saying that people who've made, they run away from the township. I'm with them all the time because... I'm not just only a musician. I was one of the top. Um, I design clothes. Oh. I make clothes. I make instruments. So it's not only making clothes. I make costume so that 
you've got to look very much, you know, you've got to represent yourself when you're on stage. Because those people, they are paying their money to come and watch you. So this is what I'm teaching the children. In some of that, I bring a lot of different influences so that they mustn't learn only one type of music and dance, you know. So that's what, I, that's what I'm doing. Gosh, what a rich life you've had. <laughs> but where, where did it start, Dizu? What, what, in your early days, long before you became, <laughs> long before Amon Pondo and all that, yes. when you were young, when did music hit you and you think, I'm now going to devote my life to music? Yes. Oh, I like these questions, you know. <laughs> I like this question very much. W- the most people who really inspired me to become a musician, it was my father and my grandmother and my aunts and so on. Because my father is a traditional healer. He's about 97 now. And uh, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there's drum playing, there's singing and dancing. And it's all started there. And when I wanted to go to the school of manhood, I decided to go where my father originally from. That's the place where I learned so much. And then I said to myself, what I've learned from my people, I'm going to make a show out of. That was before, long before I became a musician. But I was inspired by this music around me and the surroundings. Then I said that, no, 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 I love what I'm seeing here. And I'm sure I can do also not better, but I will try and do better than them. <laughs> but in a sense, also, what you're saying is that um, you saw that music was able to communicate. Yes. You just didn't want to be a big sort of star alone yes. on the stage, but you saw the power <laughs> of music to bring people together yes. and to to create peace, to create harmony, to use a cliche. In so much that I'm a person who loves peace. I don't want all these things that we hear, this and that, the problems that are happening here. Because music is there to soften the people's problem. Because some people, they come to your show with their problems. You've got to soften those people when they walk out. They walk up hand in hand, you know. So... I'm I'm that kind of a person. Yeah, because in the introduction again, it said um, that you're a, a spiritual person. Would you like to explain that, or would you like that to be private? Yes, I am a spiritual person because at times, if you are born from the family where your father does the readings of a person when he come with a sickness, he will tell a person before he even start to open up his mouth that you belong to this family, you belong to this clan, you are come from a certain part, you are sick of this and that and that, and this is what you must do. At times, I also look at people and then I could see things that I could help people with because of the very same environment that I grew up with. So it really helps me, even from my band, I always say, listen, when we've got money, we've been given by, other, by our ancestors, we've got to slaughter to thank them. Because if we don't do these things, this group will fall apart. And you do that? You still yes, do that to I this still, day? Yes, yes. My goodness. In some of that, you'll be very surprised. Last December, I went back home in Pondoland. I had to do a ritual of my grandmother from my mother's side. You know, because now wherever I go, people will just call me. You know what? You've got to do something for this old man, this old woman. Because she's been taking care of you. She's giving you a lot of money, this and that and that and that. And then I said, listen, I'm going home now. I went home, I did that. And after that, I'm telling you, I work almost every week. Gosh. Which means that... That's a powerful story. Exactly, because if you believe, if you grew up believing in your ancestors, whatever, you know, because... I'm a churchgoer, I'm a, I'm a believer also. So I put this together. I will never separate them because that's how I grew up. That's how I was raised. Dizu, let's have your next piece of music. What is the next piece? Hugh Masekela, I see. Yes, Hugh Masekela. Yes. Now, I mean, I'm not even going to ask you why he's <laughs> on, but maybe you can give me, did he, was he an inspiration in your life? Yes. Um, Hugh Masekela, I first also met him in 1982. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Botswana and then I met him in 1988 when we were playing at the 70th birthday of Nelson Mandela. You know, I used to be a DJ, one of the very first black DJ in the 70s in Langa. <laughs> <laughs> so, I used to compete with a lot of colored 
community discos that were coming to my township, <laughs> you know. Yes. And then now, uh, I used to play Huma Sekela, Miriam Akeba, all the music that people could make them dance. You know, he had beautiful songs, Ashiko, you know, Languta, and all these, which were favorite of the people. So I used to play their music. And that was long before I became a musician. And, uh, you know, Hugh is one of the greatest artists in Africa. Because Hugh Masekela, around 1964, he was the first African musician to sell over 4 million copies. Because the first American was James Brown. And in America, you, you went to America, you know, with the King Kong of mm, fame. Mm. Then he started selling all those albums. So he really inspired me saying that a black person from Africa, from South Africa, could sell so many copies. You know, not that I want to be him. I just admire whatever. Because also, we happen to be friends. I know him very well. All the festivals in France, we always meet. Okay, here's Hugh Masekela.
Well, there's the great Huma Sekela. What was that piece, Adiza? What would we hear now? Huma Sekela Ashiko. Yes. It's one of the songs that I used to play, you know, this, and I, because I love dancing. <laughs> Do you? Yes. <laughs> no wonder you were at a disco. <laughs> Dizu Plaikis is my guest on People of Note this week. His latest album, which is called Ubuntu, The Common String, has just been released. And on top of all of that, it's been nominated for the Sama Awards, which take place in June. So congratulations for that, Dizu. You know, we so got much. as far as working out how music came into your life. But then how did you become a professional musician? Did you learn, for example, the piano or was it always traditional instruments that you learned for example the very first instrument i learned i went to saint francis uh, church in langa where there was a sister who was teaching us a piano but now we were 42 in one piano oh. you know <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, but i've managed to which is 84 hands exactly <laughs> so i've managed to pick up some other things and so on and so on and then i said that hey let me get one western instrument i used to like penny whistle a lot mm -hmm. but now i said no i want instrument which at least i could see how it's written how i can read then i first bought a trumpet oh so you bought a trumpet yes then i so bought a trumpet yes because my brother was a violinist uh -huh. you know and i started learning the trumpet you know but classical not to jazz just classic because I wanted to read and learn how to read music and so on. And then I fell very much in love with trumpet. You know, not because maybe I was inspired by anyone. I just happened to like a trumpet. Mm -hmm. And even now I don't play trumpet, but there and there sometimes, you know, I, you know, but I'm not playing for any group whatsoever. Okay. Yes. And then, so, and that's when you eventually decided to make music your career. Exactly. And then how soon after that was Amampondo formed? Amampondo, when I came to the school of manhood around late 70s, came back to Langa, I said to myself, I would like to start exactly the same thing that I saw because we were taught how to sing the dancing and all the movements and so on because now I didn't want to forget these things you know then I started teaching people in my community and my very first member that I met is also another cousin brother you know which the father of this guy his mother was Dosini because I come from a Dosini clan and then this guy's name was Simpiwe Matol. And then after that, it was Michael Ludonga. And then after Michael, it was Blake Mbizela. And I find that we are more related with them. And then four of us, you know, we were just practicing. Then I started buying all this music from Andrew Tracy and so on. You know, from the 70s. Oh. Then those times, the instrument was just about 50 rand, you know, 30 rand and so on and so on. And... Because we could not only do a show only on kind of a tribal singing and dancing without any melodic instrument. Then we started to buy this small instrument. And after that, that was the birth of Amambondo. Okay. Yes. And it then turned out to be a huge success. Yes. I mean, it was a major, major success oh, yes. in the history of South African music. Exactly. And then what made you decide? Was it just that you'd been there long enough, you had to move on, go solo? Exactly. Because uh, now it was over... We broke up, you know, when I'm sure 20... Yeah, it's a long time. A long time, after 25 years, yeah, okay. you know, and it was one of the longest traditional group ever in South Africa to last for so long. Mm -hmm. And you know the secret? It was my father behind who made us to be together for so long. Gosh. You know, it was my father. I can't lie. Even the guys from Amampondo, they can tell you. There are certain rituals that you have to do. If you are together, you want to live together. You know, then we did those kind of things, and then that's how really we were together for so. But now, I was teaching at the college, and sometimes they have to go on tour during the exam time, which I cannot do that and all that. And uh, I decided that guys, you know, I had students that I've got to teach. I've got some other people that now I've got to put my input into them. As a result. You know, Ibuyambo is a name that came after Tabombeki created this African Renaissance because Ibuyambo is African Renaissance in English or rebirth. Because I really loved the concept of bringing all the African people together to understand the problems and so on and so on. Then I said that I love this concept. 
Then I took that name, you know, uh, and then I used on my very first second group that I formed. Okay, yes. but now presumably you don't belong to a group. You're, you're a solo solo artist now yes. who uses other people, session musicians that you specifically choose. Yes, but also at the same time, after Amampondo, I formed this group called Ibuyambo Ensemble, which uh, also at the UCT, when all the f- people they finished graduating. I will have about 40-piece orchestra of kudu horns, where <laughs> I'm telling you, that's when people felt that, yes, you know, as I've got my degree certificate with me. Because the problem is not like now we just play and then they walk out. We will make two lines where people, they will pass through those kudu horns. It's something that they will never forget. In their lifetime, it yes. must be an extraordinary sound. Uh, the sound, an earthy. The, the the sound. It was so beautiful because we blow the horns right at Jamison Hall before everything started, and I'm telling you, the people. It was just like trumpets that are coming from nowhere, <laughs> and no walls fell down exactly. like in Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have one more piece of music, yes. uh, Dizu. One more piece of music, Miriam Makeba. Ah. And why Miriam Akeba? Miriam Akeba also belonged to the same clan that I belong to. Really? His father came from Pondoland originally, went to Johannesburg, and he was a school teacher. Same as all these Oliver Tambos and Winnie Matikizela Mandela, they all come from Pondoland. So one time I went to see her show, and she was singing a song called Amampondo. And then after that, I went to, straight to her. I said, that, why am I Pondo? She said, no, I'm a Pondo. You know, she speaks so softly. I'm a Pondo. You know, my father was this and that. And then I started to follow. And, you know, I bought his book because there was a book about Miriam Akeba. But my father, he, he used to tell me about Miriam Akeba, but not aware. He was not aware that Miriam Akeba belonged to the same people that, you know, of, of Pondoland where we come from. Miriam Makeba, another choice of my guest on People of Note on Fine Music Radio this week, Dizu Plaikis. And Dizu, as we approach the end of the program, you've got the Sama Awards now coming up, and we wish you all best of luck for that Thank and you. for your new album. But um, then what happens? What are you doing now? What's, what's happening over the next few months in your life? I'm still praying for this album to be nominated, you know, in uh, these uh, awards that we have in America. You know, because now the album is rated number six in the world. Number six in the world. Number six in the world. And uh, for South African listeners and so on, 
they must know people that I'm coming. It's, it's been a long way, you know, of my life to come to this, you know. And um, I'm planning to do quite a lot of different things, but with the youth, with yes. all the different youth from all different corners of Cape Town, especially, I always want to start things where I was born, right. where I came from. And you're still there, you're still living in Nyanga. Yes, in Langa. In Langa, yes. I said Nyanga, by yes, mistake. Yes, in Langa. Yes, in Langa. <laughs> yes. And so we can expect lots more from you as well, lots more traveling. But this lovely thing you have of the youth, that's been, a, as I said, a theme almost through this interview, where you are always keen to inspire the youth exactly. to great things. Mm-hmm. And music will help to heal and bring peace. Do you agree? I do agree 100%. Dizu Plikes, it's been great to talk to you. And um, come and see us again sometime. And don't forget to send us a picture of your instruments because our listeners can then go on the website and have a look what they all look like. Beautiful. Thank you so much for all what you have done for me. Without you, I'm nothing. Oh, Thank no. You. no. <laughs> Without you, we're nothing. Dizu Plikes, it's been a delight on People of Note. And People of Note is brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. Is there also a ringing in your ears? Is it laughter? Where you're not supposed to laugh? In church, at school, at a meeting? (laughs) Getting the giggles? Or tripping in the street and falling and saying, Oh no, I'm fine. And you're not fine because it's so sore. And you laugh. The echo of a noise. Come share it with me. Stories of laughter and memory. Of parents and punishments. Of success and adventure. The ringing in my ears is not just my laughter. It's also yours. At Peter Turin's Theatre on the Bay. From the 31st of May to the 18th of June. Peter Dirk is unpowdered. At last. FMR 101.3